What's up, everybody? It's your host, Brooke Saborn, a.k.a. Your Girl Middle Child Lives. And this week on Storytime Behind the Channel, I interviewed Urmi Hussain. Definitely feel like I butchered that name once again, but that's not the only thing I butchered during this episode, you will see. But anyway, Urmi just received her CFA charter. Congrats, Urmi. And she has literally dedicated her channel to a few things, but one of them that we cover a lot in this interview is that she is helping people prepare for their own CFA exams. Yes, she is doing the Lord's work out there. Ormi is such a little ray of sunshine, so I'm really looking forward to this episode. And without further ado, here's Ormi. Now I... <laughs> I am joined by Urmi Hussain, and uh, we are here to talk about many of her areas of expertise, including public speaking, learning language, and preparing for the SFA exam, which uh, she will tell us all about in a little bit. But would you mind, Urmi, telling us about yourself? Yes, it will be my pleasure. So it's um, so my name is Urmi, and. I'm connected from Montreal, and yes, I do have many, many passions. I work in the financials, in the financial sector. I am, a, I am the holder of the CFA charter, which is one of the highest designation in the financial uh, sector. And I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm a blogger, a YouTuber, and a self-published author. Oh heck yeah! Okay, and you didn't even tell me really about your book before, but when I was doing your research, I found it. So I can't wait to talk a little bit about that. That'll be cool. <laughs> okay, but before that, we were going to start with the trivia game that I have written for you today. As our listeners know, we always love to do a little trivia to start out our interviews. <laughs> okay, so actually, since... I know that you cover is so many things on your YouTube channel, but we have a very limited amount of time today. I'm mainly sticking with the SFA stuff, not entirely, but that is what majority of our trivia is going to be about, okay? So, CFA. CFA. Did I say the wrong thing? What did I say? FSA, I think you said. It's FSA? I don't CFA. even know what that is. I cannot. It's a CFA. <laughs> Uh, thank you. And I literally am looking at it on my computer screen. I'm reading it and saying the wrong thing. And I, and that's why I said it, because I was like, if I said, maybe you'll pick it up that you said it wrong, but I didn't want to interrupt you, but then you said it wrong the second time. <laughs> that is too funny and embarrassing, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, okay. So um, first, can you tell our audience what that means? before we get into our trivia? Yes, it stands for Chartered Financial Analyst. And basically it's a title that you get um, after passing three rigorous exams and also showing that you have the enough work experience uh, to have that, um, that title next to your name. And having this, it allows you, it opens you the door to many job opportunities, especially when it comes to finance and you can work as a portfolio manager. This is why people go for this uh, certificate. Mm -hmm. And it is, after like looking into it, it is a serious 
program. Okay, but let you will see. Like people who don't know will know after this trivia. Okay. <laughs> okay. So my first question is pretty standard. When were the Chartered Financial Analyst, aka CFA, designation and code of conduct established? You're asking such a difficult question. <laughs> I must say I do not know. I actually okay. do not know. Now you will, because it's 1962. Oh, okay. Good. All right. This one has to do with the test, and it's three questions in one. So you have three opportunities to be wrong. <laughs> okay, so... I want to know your guess, or if you know, of the pass rate of each of the three levels for the CFA. It, it's it's it has been decreasing, one. Yeah. And uh, on average, it's between forty to forty-five percent. But it also depends on the levels, because I think for the first level, I think a year ago it went down to twenty-five percent. Level two, it's like the hardest one. I think it's 40, 42%. And level three, it used to be the highest one. I think it used to be 55, but now it went down to 40. So it's, I would say it's a, on a range between 40 to 50%. Yeah, not many people are able to pass it. Okay, so true about all of those. You got them all wrong, by the way. <laughs> These are the most updated uh, numbers, but all of that stuff was accurate, what you said about them, but these are the most updated. The first one is 39% pass rate. Mm -hmm. Second, which um, you said was the hardest, people must know because it has the highest pass rate. They're studying extra hard at 52% pass rate. And then three, 48. Yeah. And yeah. now my next question is for people who want to know how hard that is, what is the pass rate for the bar? For the bar? Like the lawyer? Oh, bar? the bar is like uh, like the test for lawyers. It's like okay. notoriously such a hard test. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're asking me that one. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, what's the... Oh shit! Can you give me three options and I can like tell you? Sure. Um, seventeen percent, fifty-three percent, and sixty percent. I would say seventeen. The answer is sixty. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's way higher than the CFA ones. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why we have a lot of lawyers. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I have two more trivia questions, and then we will get into our interview. So you have a lot of um, information on your channel about careers. Mm -hmm. it, we aren't really going to get into that into our, in our interview today. Well, hopefully that would be cool if it comes up <laughs> by mistake, but I do have a question about it. So what is the average age that a person will decide to change their career? I would say... Closer to 30. 39. 39? No, that's not. Yes. <laughs> it is a trusted resource. Uh, yeah, a trusted source. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I will get that. <laughs> okay, 39. last question. That's interesting. This is actually a test question from the exam. So 
You, I, you're definitely going to get this one. I chose one with such little wording because those questions are so long and they have so many charts. <laughs> I must say this is the hardest trivia questions I ever been to. Oh my gosh. It's Yay, so good. <laughs> but we learn together. <laughs> I know, that's true. That is true. Okay, so the question is, when valuing a call option using a bi- the binomial model, an increase in the probability that the underlying will go up most likely implies that the current price of the call option A increases, B remains unchanged, C decreases. Wait, hold on. Repeat the question again. <laughs> Repeat the question again. Okay, okay, okay. When valuing a call option using the binomial model, an increase in the probability that the underlying will go up most likely implies that the current price of the call option A increases, B remains unchanged, or C decreases. A. You say A? Mm Mm-hmm. Increases? Mm -hmm. The answer is B, remains unchanged. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm telling you, you did so much research on this for these trivia questions. This was so hard. I actually got that off of like some testing website where you can like do practice questions. And that was the only one that I knew how to ask out loud. <laughs> That's an evil laugh. Nah, so true. Oh my gosh. My true character. You're so funny. <laughs> uh, okay, so now let's get to know Ormi a little bit better. Okay, so we have invited you here today because you are a YouTuber, and um, primarily what I was impressed by by your work is that you are like out of your way helping people with their SFA exam or oh my gosh I can't say it right (laughs) I know Uh, I'm keeping all that in by the way this is a comical podcast (laughs) leave it (laughs) it. um okay but yeah so I can only assume that you've taken the test yourself right we can assume that so what kind of things did you learn or come across along the way to like get you interested in doing this um i initially started with this program because it's um it's a highly recognized uh, designation in the financial sector so i remember like initially when i would see people and have those three letters next to your name i would see them with a lot of respect Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that I also want to get something like that too. And I wanted to get additional learning and additional studies because I finished my degree and I was like, I want to go back to study. And I was hesitating between CFA, doing a master, or going like an, for an MBA. But master, I was thinking more like an MSc, which is Master of Science, like still choosing something in finance. Mm-hmm. But each one of them, they just bring you to a different direction. So it really, it was really up to me to decide where I wanted to go. And because I like to make my life harder, I went with the CFA program. I did a lot of talk. Uh, I had a lot of conversation with many people who passed the exam. 
and yes there is a very low passing rate to be honest and I think the biggest hurdle is getting over the first one because I think a lot of people just get demotivated with it and afterwards I was like okay I just have to do a lot of mental work I have to come up with a plan to make sure that I pass the exams and so then in 2019 I started with this journey with a lot of like hesitation but I told also myself that if there are so many people that are able to still pass it and have the title next to their name why can I not do it so that's how I went with this journey and I got the charter this year in in uh, it was in June 2023 that I got the charter and it was a very like big accomplishment for me because now I wake up I'm thinking okay I don't have to study but sometimes I even forget that I have been able to achieve it because it feels surreal at the same time and I feel like once you achieve it not many people like it's not something that everyone can get you know what I mean so for me mm-hmm. it's a big 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 achievement so it's like um when someone becomes like a master of wine not a lot of people can do that <laughs> I mean I don't know I, I cannot say about master of wine I guess yes it might need a master of finance <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. You're not a master of wine, but you're a master of finance. Yeah, That's no, amazing. Wine, Congrats. That's sure. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Very big accomplishment. Um, so you talked about like all the levels and how some people get discouraged at number one. Can you tell us about like what those levels mean and stuff? Yeah. So basically you have, so once you get, um, once you decide to sign up for the CFA program, you have to go through levels. So there is there are three levels, level one, level two, and level three. And each one of them, they test you in different things. So level one, what I would like to say, it's more like a deeper knowledge of what you have done in your bachelor degree when you were doing finance, but you don't need to have a finance degree to, to do the CFA, to start uh, on the CFA program. Like you can have any type of background because everything that you do you start from zero but for someone who had a degree in finance if you do level one you will see that a lot of the times they cover things that you have already done when you were in in your your university and the level one it entails basically going over statistic uh, economics corporate finance accounting, alternative investing, derivatives, equity, fixed income, and you have massive books, like you usually have six books that you have to go over with practice, knowledge, and it's a work that usually takes you at least six to nine months to get prepared, and it's only do your, it's okay. a do, do yourself, do it yourself type of work where you don't have a teacher, you don't have any point of reference, it's a work where you have to do yourself, that's why you need to be very like disciplined when it comes to um, to studying for the Exam. Now, you you do this exam, and if you are able to pass level one, then you move to the next level. And if you don't pass it, then you have to keep repeating level one until you pass it, because you cannot move to the next one um, unless you pass level one. So a lot of people don't show up for the exam. A lot of people do show up at the exam, but then you know they're not prepared because it's such a it's a type of work that you have to do it on your own that you know if you if you stop studying or if you slack a little bit then you forget it you're not passing the exam and a lot of that time people are so busy with the with their work and they're so busy you know with other things that they are not studying enough and so they're not serious enough with it so you really have to be serious when it comes to signing up for this exam so then you pass to level two so level two it's a 
deeper knowledge of level one and with level two what you do is you you basically try to understand more the numbers like it's more analytical i would say and it's a lot more about valuation so you know the stock prices that you see in let's say in nasdaq or stuff like that you try to understand how those numbers come up how how do we have those numbers and so you have to know all the history behind the numbers you have to know about the company you have to know how the numbers the numbers were calculated so you you're studying that in level two and even though it's the hardest one, I would say it's the most interesting one because you get to learn so much that you understand how the economy around you works. So you with the whole thing with the inflation, interest rate, you understand much better how things are working. And once you are able to pass level two, then you go to level three. And level three, I would say you have to think of yourself as a portfolio manager. Like you're doing level three and you're studying for level three, you have to put yourself as in like, okay, I am a portfolio manager, how am I gonna handle this? So it's a lot more about like choosing investment, but connecting it to the current market environment. Like why should we invest in stocks right now? Why should we move from this company and go to another company? Why should we sell this fixed income? Why should we invest in fixed income? When is it the moment, the appropriate time to have fixed income in your portfolio? And it's very much focused on portfolio management. So this is more like as if I was, if I were, if I were a financial advisor today, how would I think of? So you have to put it from that perspective as if like you are really, really working towards uh, like, is, is if you're really working as a financial advisor once you pass all of them then congratulations you basically have to apply to be a member of it there is a fee that you have to pay you have to show that you have the number the work the working experience and you need to have some reference to prove that you have that you have those experience once you get that you get the approval and then the next thing you know is that you have those titles next to your name oh my gosh like you <laughs> that sounds a lot like a lot holy crap so when you were saying it takes like up to nine months was that just for one test or for all of them no so in my opinion you need six to nine months of preparation there are people who takes who take a month to prepare two months and you're and these are the people who don't don't pass oh Um, there are people who just take four months. So it really, cause it's, it's, it's just, it's something that you're doing on your own. So it really depends on your time and your availability. My guideline is that you need at least six to nine months of preparation. I mean, the more you study, the better it is. But there are people who just study like four months before the exam. There are people who just wait last minute, but um, according also to the CP Institute and also myself, you need at least six to eight months of preparation and the more hours you're able to put the higher are the chances of you passing the exam wow so full-time hours kind of thing yeah i mean you if a lot of the people who are doing the who are studying for the exam they are full-time workers they are working full-time 40 hours per week so you have to find the time after work to dedicate towards that like you have to put at least i would say three hours every day and we can you have to put the double double amount of the time oh my gosh that is wild okay we this is a disclaimer for the audience she is not giving financial advice but i do want to know ormi how are you like spreading the good word of like finances and yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to word it. You would know way better. It's good. It's good the way you said it. I I basically promote 
more women in finance. I definitely want more women in finance. And some of the work that I've been doing are very much related to um, basically like I do a lot of volunteering activities and there is this comp- there's this organization that I volunteer for which is called 100 women in finance and I mentor like young talents who want to work and study in finance so I try to mm. spread that message in telling them that go for for a degree in finance I tell them what it entails what are the like you know what what can you do in the, like what you can do in the future if you're pursuing a degree in finance that's one way that i use to have more people especially women i always promote more and women more women in finance because i feel like we don't have enough especially also because finance is so male dominated and i feel like we're lacking a little bit of representation sometimes and i can see it and i also um I was also a panel speaker for an event for 100 Women in Finance, but we had to share our own experience in finding a job in finance to a lot of university students. So I try to use like these kind of events to share more of that. I also try to use my YouTube channel with um, to talk about it, but my YouTube channel is more focused on giving tips on how to pass the exam. And so that gets a, that gets a lot of like attention, I noticed. Like my first video got like 10,000 views and I was like, how? Like I it was like I didn't do any <laughs> editing I just spoke in front of a camera and somehow people found, mm-hmm. found it very very useful and I also wrote articles about you know how to pursue a career in finance so I use like every kind of tools or organization to spread the message that we need more women in finance and why it's important and why you know it's like it's a good I, I honestly think it's a good career to choose I very much enjoyed finance so that's those are some of the methods that I use to spread more message about it I also got invited um, to do this virtual interview for this university in um, Michigan I think where uh, I was asked like okay what are what are some of the things that you can do with a degree in finance? So I there are so many things that you can do, and finance is so dynamic, and everything revolves around finance. So we need that, you know, we need that in our lives. So that's how I try to use use every tool tools to spread the message. Yes, and I noticed from your channel that you have like two primary types of videos, and it's like you said, um, getting ready for the. CFA, I can say it, but also you do like a lot of interviews, not only women in finance, men too, but lots of video interviews on there. So how, like, how do you find these experts and like, how do you know what topic that you are looking to talk about on your channel with them? So I do a lot of research usually, like basically I use my channel to spread the message of my passion like I try to use my channel to talk about all of my passions so Mm -hmm. there is career there's languages there is finance and I what I do is I try to find on internet people that have those kind of interests so I usually use Instagram a bit more when it comes to finding language coaches coaches Mm -hmm. because that has been really really easy and when it came to like finding people and like career and stuff like that I'm I use LinkedIn. So I do get a lot of connection on LinkedIn. I do a little bit of research and see, okay, can this person provide valuable information? And then I can I contact them or I connect with them and see if they're interested in coming to my um, YouTube channel. But for some of them, it was also mutual, um, I would say agree, agreement or partnership where I got invited to their podcast and then 
I was like, okay, do you want to come to my YouTube channel? And that's how we started to have this type of collaboration because a lot of them are like coaches and also people who are mentors, people who have businesses. And I feel like it aligns very much with the things that I do, that I, the things that I want people to know. And I also help them to spread their message of like, you know, if you're a language coach and you want to help people to achieve their goals or if you want to help people, you know, to learn a certain language, why not come to my channel? Because it's also something that I very much enjoy. So that's how I find people, Instagram, LinkedIn and uh, YouTube, YouTube as well. And then I just contact them. So I have a question that I've like literally been dying to ask of like someone in finance and I don't want to offend, but this is a great opportunity because other people who are probably wondering can ask it too or can know the answer. Okay. But I feel like how do people in finance make money? genuinely like what what's the good like there are numbers being punched like what's going on (laughs) i don't think this applies to people in finance i think this applies to anyone you just have to be smart enough to know what to do with your money and you don't necessarily need to be in finance and one single thing that i can tell you that applies to everyone is that you have to build wealth and the only way you're able to build wealth is when you're investing your money so investing money is not something that happens overnight you have to take time um it takes time it takes a couple of years and then because of the power of compounding you start to see how your money is growing at an exponential level so that's the only secret it's it doesn't apply to people in finance it applies to every single human being on, on earth so when you are like ideally it's better when you start young so that you can take advantage of the compounding power but that's the only thing that i can tell you it's that's the only way you can you know build wealth and make money okay no that was so perfectly put spoken yes uh spoken like a true sfa oh my gosh (laughs) I know. CFA. I don't even know what FSA means. I don't know where you got that from, but you keep saying it. Me either. Okay, whatever. But we are about to run out of time. But before we go, I am just scrapping all my questions that I ask everybody at the end because I really want to hear about your book. It Mm. is on Amazon and it is called Your Italian Summer. So will you tell us about that before we go? Okay, so that's my ebook. That's not my book. Oh my gosh, wait. Okay, well, tell us two, even more. I have two ebooks and I have okay. one book. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so since you asked about that one, it's my ebook. And it's basically a little guide for everyone who's traveling to Italy for the first time. And it contains more than 80 expressions. Um, about things like how do you order food how do you order how do you order coffee how do you ask for direction and it also includes some emergency number in case you need to and so that's that's for everyone who's traveling for the first time to Italy and it's very simple it's very short then the second ebook that I have it's about building your personal brand and I feel like I Hmm. like I was good enough to talk about it because I 
I built a personal brand and I what I what I do is I talk about ways that you can build personal brand and I also say why you need that and I think the main reason is that you need personal brand because even though you work full-time you still like if you lose your job and you know you want to find another job the first thing that people do is look you up on the internet so I feel like if you have a good branding out there where people are like googling you and it shows that you did this extra work that you are able to offer more than just you know all those skills it just shows that you you can add value and i feel like personal brand i see it more like an insurance so it, it just gives you more credibility it shows that you are a hard-working person it shows a lot that you are very uh, you have um an entrepreneurial mindset that's what i like about personal branding and my book finally it's called discovering your identity a rebirth from intuition or struggle and basically this book it's more like a memoir where i talk about my life in italy so i tell people that i am italian by birth and bengali by blood so i was born and raised in italy my parents are from bangladesh but uh, I struggle a lot in finding my cultural identity. I never felt I was Italian enough. I never felt I was Bengali enough. I feel like I was always, you know, moving around from one side to another without actually feeling like I was a little bit of both. And so I talk about different things in that book about my experience being a third culture kid until I finally embraced both um, both cultures. So the book is available on Amazon and it you can buy the kindle version or you can buy the paper version so that's what my book is about yes and i will have all of those linked along with your socials your youtube channel everything it has been such a pleasure seriously i totally wish that we had longer because i have so many more questions with you or for you but um seriously thank you for your time time. (laughs) no for real i was just like well definitely have to do a follow-up interview but I really appreciate it. Before we go, is there anything else that you want to promote? Uh, definitely uh, my my book and my ebooks, which are available on Amazon. If anyone um, wants to purchase them, especially my books, I feel like my book, especially because I feel like it can help a lot of people who are third culture kids and I feel like there are so many third culture kids out there and then if anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn uh, they can find me it's just my full name or Hossain my YouTube channel as well it's Urmi Hossain I'm finally seeing like a bit of growth I mean it was always growing but now I can see a bit more so it's making me very very happy that it's reaching up to reaching more people and i have a blog as well it's called myways.ca and my instagram account which is Ulma Mio. yes all linked and i have you for one more minute so if you would would you shower us with a bit of ermi advice today oh my gosh like you want an advice from me yeah <laughs> oh i have so many that's the problem but i will share to you the one that I feel like has helped me to grow the most, which is um, I got this from a book. It's called uh, My It's called Fear My Dear Friend or something like that. I don't remember on top of my head, but the book is written by Mira Patel. And basically she talks about fear, but she talks about fear more like as a friend and how we should see fear as an ally. So there is a quotation in the book that says, 
fear is the light that it's meant to guide us and it has been helping a lot because i feel like a lot of the time as we as human beings we are not doing something because we're just so scared there's so much uncertainty about you know what's out there that we just you know refrain ourselves from doing something but i'm but I'm glad that I read this book because I feel like it just, when you read that sentence, you see that fear is actually not a bad thing. It just brings you towards that path that you were not going to do otherwise if, otherwise if you're not fearful. And that's because there's so much, there's like something better waiting for you on the other side of the world. And so fear for me, it has been a great ally and a lot of the things that I was scared of, like doing a YouTube channel, and doing a blog or public speaking was something that I was very afraid of, but I'm glad that I followed my fear because now I wouldn't be here with you, for instance. So, yes, I hate to toot my own horn, but I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, this may be scary. Yes, <laughs> too well, funny. It was scary to do your tri- trivia questions. That's for sure. <laughs> and you're scared on the way out too, huh? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for listening. And please check out Ormi if you have not already. Bye. Look at my boobs. Yeah, they look great. All right. We're recording. Well, we're back, and now I'm joined by my co-host, a.k.a. the dashing, the super, Logan Riley. What's up, (laughs) y'all? I should really think of description words ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like it this way. (laughs) Logan is here to join us to break apart the episode and talk all about the nitty grits of me saying the wrong thing a million times. The FSA. No, literally, which, speaking of which, the FSA is the Farm Security Administration. We do like the FSA. Oh, so it is a financial organization. And then SFA, I said a lot too, and it actually, me, it, there are so many SFAs out there, quite honestly. We're all using SFA. <laughs> well, but. so you are wrong. Yeah, I totally was, but <laughs> I honestly just can't do things right pretty much like ever when it comes to letters, numbers, really anything that takes literacy. Wow. <laughs> That's BS. You're a great writer. Yeah, you should see the rough draft. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It might take a little going over. But... I got all the tabs open. Thesaurus.com, dictionary.com, <laughs> Grammarly, like, yeah. <laughs> That's how I write. <laughs> she dumb. <laughs> I can orchestrate the sentence, but I can't really do it right. <laughs> I was telling Ermi when I interviewed her that I like literally didn't know how to ask any of the test questions. But they're all really hard, so actually I got one here for you. It is another wordy one with no charts or numbers so that I can actually ask it out loud. Okay. You ready? Yep. Okay. So this is from test one. All right. And you really have to know some stuff, so good luck. (laughs) Okay. Well, good thing. Uh, I don't know anything. I just make things up. According to the Modig... (laughs) The Modiglan... You read this word. Oh, yeah. So you got... Modiglani... 
Modigliani. Modigliani Miller <laughs> proposition with taxes. If a company increases its debt level, its market value will most likely decrease since the cost of financial distress is increasing. Remain the same since the market value is unaffected by the capital structure or increase proportionally to the change in debt. It probably remains the same. You think so? That's my guess. Oh my gosh, look what we got as the answer. Bro, I don't let me, even let me know. See, let me see. Literally, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the value, the market value of a levered company is greater than the value of an unlevered. All right. Well, so it was, it was a the or it was C. The the value increases proportionally to the increase in debt. I need to do the study for studying for the test to study how to study because I did a poor job at just giving the questions. <laughs> dead, D E D, dead. The last impactful economics class I took was high school. My economics class in college, I didn't really learn anything. Oh my god! I just got through it. My college economics class was trash. I literally yeah. probably, I don't even really remember going that much because it was like so stupid. Yeah. But economics I thrived in, in in high school. Yeah, me too. I liked it a lot. I did too. I loved economics. And I sat next to my bestie for the restie in that class, so that was lit. Have you ever considered being an SFS, uh, uh, what? CSFA? <laughs> CFA. <laughs> I want that S to be in there so bad. <laughs> no, there was a time MF. I considered majoring in account or econ, but I no, I'm good. Yeah, for real, for real. I mean, that's for you. The people of finance, we. Applaud them. So I'm wondering, Ermi is like uh, this big beef with not enough women being in finance. And she is here to combat that. So I want to know what your guess is on how many, what percentage of men versus women are in finance. I would guess that 7% of financial professionals are women. 7 to 15. That'd be my range. Mm, according to Zipla.com, it is 26.4% okay. of women in finance. And I just want to know like, what your perspective is on why this might be important of like getting more women into male-dominated professions. I don't have like any stats to go by or anything. I just want to know question. what you think. It's a good question. I mean... I think diversity is important in all fields, in all ways, not just women versus men, but like diversity is important because it widens the overall group's perspective and eliminates a lot of opportunities for things like groupthink. And I think diversity is important in more ways than just men versus women. Diversity as a whole is important because it widens the group perspective and eliminates opportunities for groupthink. It richens the field, it enriches the field and I think makes everybody better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because like if it's just a bunch of- Right, because I mean, I've seen offices or groups of people where it's just a bunch of bros. Yeah. And it's not a real healthy place for anybody else to be there, yeah. you know, or it's, it's not really 
it's not more productive, you know, like white men are not more productive than the rest of the world. So true. It's just a fact. But they have the most power and authority. Yeah, it's something our country is working through, you know, like, or, you know, it's... And people like Ermi are doing the good work. Yeah, it's something that we're working through and, you know, yeah, it's not easy, but Mm -hmm. people like Ermi are out there making a difference. Heck yes. It actually, when you were ta- talking about that, that totally reminded me of the Barbie movie. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. So for those of you who haven't, who haven't seen it, it's not a spoiler, I promise. But Barbie, <laughs> uh, she's used to like her, her world in Barbie land where like women do every job and men don't really have jobs. So she went to the real world and she was so confused about like what was going on and things were just weird there. So she saw a construction site and she's like, oh my gosh, good, a construction site. All I need is some good feminine energy to like help me out with this situation. So she is like, yoo-hoo, ladies, running up to the construction site. And then all these like crusty men are like, what's up, gorgeous? How about I slap that? Like just saying some nasty things. Well, fries with that shake. Yeah, literally. So I think like the reason I bring that up, not just because it reminded me of it, was because having women in certain environments like does promote more respect. And I mean, I honestly don't, I don't love like the men versus women thing that like this like everybody's doing right now I'm not like the hugest fan I've always like tried to think of us as equal although I don't really truly believe that that's a whole different story (laughs) but (laughs) I won't even get into that right now because we are on another time crunch people but anyway the reason that I bring that up is because like when you are not exposed to like the intelligence and strength that women have you could just end up thinking that they don't have any of those things you know and some people go their entire life without being exposed to the fact that that actually exists so that's why i think it's important but for a a lot of other reasons diversity included like you mentioned but yeah nice um antidote anecdote anecdote See, I'm illiterate. <laughs> so funny. There was one last thing that Ermi talked about that I personally wanted to talk about on a personal level. Okay. How much more time do you have? It's 10.30 right now. Five minutes. Okay, that's fine. So Ermi talked about her book about being um, bicultural, biracial, which is something that I really want to get my hands on now that she's told me about it because it sounds like a really good read. I have experience in that field. Right. If you would have had more time, I'm sure you would have loved to talk about U2's experience of being bicultural. Totally. So I just want to, like, shed some light on what that's like because in my experience, it's not super talked about except when it is, I always hear the same thing, and it's, like, that lack of belonging that this group doesn't accept you because you're to this group, but yet that group doesn't accept you because you're to the other group. So it's definitely been interesting um, growing up as someone who doesn't even fit in with the people who don't fit in because my half biracialness is half Hispanic, half white. So I am automatically discredited in every way, even though like my own mother and her family moved here from a different country 
I was raised around the language, I was raised around the food, around the culture, and unfortunately over time my family was whitewashed, and um, I do intend to reverse some of those effects with my future family, but it's unfortunate that like biracial kids are just like stuck in this limbo of unbelonging, and they don't even belong with each other. Like, I'm not going to belong with a half Korean, half Japanese person, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. It's just, it's definitely an interesting topic. I would really love to read her book, and maybe we can talk more about this at a different time. Unfortunately, though, Logan has to skidat. Mm-hmm. And then we have our fantasy football drafts later, yeah. so we are going to get, put our little uh, black under eye paint on and yell. <laughs> tonight <laughs> it's called eye black yeah exactly that stuff but yeah brooke and i are in the same league that's drafting tonight with a bunch of people from her family and then i have a simultaneous draft going on with my friends that i grew up with he's a football dude he's a football animal i'm i love fantasy football he is more than the guy anything. with this shirt off with the letter a painted the letter F for fantasy football, because <laughs> I like fantasy football. He's got the F on his forehead and then the F on his chest. <laughs> so when everybody says, what does the F stand for? He whips off his shirt. It's an L. Fantasy football! <laughs> it's an L on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Anyway, we are out of time, so you guys didn't get to hear about the blast we had last weekend, but that's just boo-hoo too bad. Yeah, we'll talk about it. All right, so what do you say? You want to be released from this studio so you can get on with your adventures for the day? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't put it that way, but yes. (laughs) I trapped him in here. This morning I'm like, get in the studio. You trapped me with that question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead. (laughs) Okay, see you guys later. All right, y'all. Bye.